You see, the problem we get into with relationships is we think sometimes we chose the wrong person. Well, you didn't choose the wrong person to be with. The issue goes deeper with both parties. And, and I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone because all of us struggle with this. We look to relationships for something. But what you're looking for, what I'm looking for, what we've all been looking for in relationships is what God wants you to find in him and his family. I'll say that again. What you're looking for in a relationship is what God wants you to find in him and his community. It's the truth. So we've been in this series, Family Matters, and we've been talking about incredible things. But the question is, now what? Now what are we going to do? Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host. We appreciate that you're listening. Um, if you're in Michigan, I hope that you survived the snowfall yesterday. If you're outside of Michigan, somewhere warmer, um, way to be somewhere warmer. Um, we hope that you're enjoying it there and thank you for listening to the podcast even though you're not in the state um this week nathan is talking uh uh, he's preaching our last message in this series called family matters um called love deeply and this is a quick series for us just four weeks i encourage you to go back if you haven't been able to listen to all these messages they're all available on the podcast as well as our website lifechurchcanton.org you can watch the the videos of the sermons there and we have series going all the way back to our easter series this april on the podcast so really encourage you uh that we put episodes out weekly there's a lot of content for you to check out so go and check that out um anyway here's nathan enjoy the message <laughs> if you are sad where you are and get on a plane to italy The you in Italy will be the same sad you from before, just in a different place. I love that clip. I think that's hilarious um, because I think it it points at a different reality. We can all laugh at that because we know how ridiculous that it, uh, it sounds, but often we do things in relationships, romantic relationships, that don't make any sense. We think that if we're in something or we're out of something, that the same sad you will be different in something new. And so we laugh, but it kind of reveals something different because we look to our relationships to fix the deep sadness or brokenness in our life often. There are things we think we're going to get in a relationship that we don't have now. And the same sad you before marriage will be the same sad you after you get married, except now you have the baggage of yourself and the other person. And now you have to decide which way the toilet paper goes on as well. The same sad you um, before you're in a a relationship with like a boyfriend or girlfriend, I don't care what age you're at, is the same before, but you're, you're dealing with new things. The same issues you have in your relationships right now will still be there if you move in together or if you buy a dog together or to fix the marriage, you have a baby. That doesn't work at all. It's like the worst idea ever, but we do it. And so this is funny. It's a, it's a joke, right? But it kind of reveals something below the surface that's not as important as a vacation. Often we look to relationships to be something that they can't be. Here's the truth. That powerful moment between Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger where he looks into her eyes and deeply says, you complete me, is complete bullcrap. It's complete bullcrap. I mean, did you like my, my, my Tom Cruise impression, anyone? No, just myself. I liked it for me because it's, you know, I'm good. But, but moving in with your girlfriend or fiancé before marriage, statistically, do you know that statistically results in less happiness, less financial security, 
and less satisfaction in life just according to secular research. But yet we think it's going to change something. Moving forward into another relationship after a divorce isn't going to fix the deep-seated pain from the divorce and the wounds from before. It's only going to make it worse. You see, the problem we get into with relationships is we think sometimes we chose the wrong person. Well, you didn't choose the wrong person to be with. The issue goes deeper with both parties. And, and I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone because all of us struggle with this. We look to relationships for something. But what you're looking for, what I'm looking for, what we've all been looking for in relationships is what God wants you to find in him and his family. I'll say that again. What you're looking for in a relationship is what God wants you to find in him and his community. It's the truth. So we've been in this series, Family Matters, and we've been talking about incredible things. But the question is, now what? Now what are we going to do? As we finish our series, I want to do two things today and two things only. One, I want you to understand God's plan for romantic relationships. Romantic relationships. I want you to understand God's plan. And as we learn God's plan for these relationships, it actually reveals God's plan for all relationships in our family, God's family, our forever family. And second, I want you to learn how to fight for your families. I want you to learn how to move forward. Week one, we learned that even though our family shaped us, it doesn't have to define us. And as we encounter Jesus, we gain the power to finish the race at a different place than where we started it. No matter what was given to us when we started, we can finish because of Jesus. Week two, we acknowledge that the heart is deceitful above all things and without cure. Who can understand it is the verse we talked about. It's one of my verses that I've memorized. And this idea of like our hearts deceive us so often, but the good news is there is only one person who knows the heart of man, and it's God. And since we have access to him, we can understand what God is saying to our hearts. And week three, we found a bit of the solution. A bit of the solution when we have all these family issues is that we belong to a new family, that we have been adopted into the kingdom and family of God, a new system, new family roles, a place where we can all find the things we need to live into the kingdom of God. A bit of hope comes along the way. And I love that because we have hope. We have hope. So many people are coming forward to ask for help. We're like, they're kind of inundated with people coming and saying, like, hey, I've got this issue in my family from the past, or I've got this other issue, other thing I'm working on. And they're coming forward and they're saying, enough is enough. It's time for this to change. How can I possibly change? And I want you to know it's because you have hope that you're coming forward. And I believe that God does transform, that your family of origin doesn't have to define your family of the now or your family of the future. I'm a child of parents who overcame dysfunction, addiction, suicide, and other issues I can't even talk about from their family. That they came together with both sides, all these messed up, jacked up stuff, and then they found Christ. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, they didn't let those things move forward into their children, of which I am one of them. I'm a child of promise, a promise of hope. And your relationships and your children can be as well because of what God can do. Today, I want to help you understand how to move forward, how to make a difference in your family through God's family. You know, it's this wonderful thing we just sang about, your love is too good to leave me here. 
This idea of I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, I can't do this, I'm broken. Well, God's love is too good to leave you here. God wants you to fight for the things he wants for your family. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, it says in the word. Fight for your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight. You know, when we reach out for help, you know it's not failing. It's fighting. It's not coming short. It's relying on what God intended you to rely on, which is God's family together. So we have to learn how to fight together. And I want you to be engaged in that. I want you to learn how to fight to fight against bitterness and rage and anger and sexual sin, against loneliness and pain, against divorce and damage that's in your family, against anything you were given or you created because we serve a God who fights with us and who fights for us. Do you believe that God fights for you? If so, I want you to get excited about this. And I want you maybe to even tell yourself and preach to yourself. Sometimes I preach to myself. It's really awkward in the shower. My wife's like, be quiet. Stop preaching to yourself. Like, I try to get myself excited because we need to be reminded. So I want you to preach to your own heart in a moment and actually say some things out loud. So all of us together, if you believe that God has a hope for your family, I want you to say fight. And I want you to say it right now. Say fight. Okay, now women, I'm going to give you one chance to do this and to say fight. And I want you to think about all the things you want for your family. And I want you to yell as loud as you want to. I want you to yell fight. So say fight. fight. All right, men, I did you second so you could see what you had to, like, get better than. All right, so I want you guys to say fight. And I want you to yell it. All right, and, but give me that, like, real deep man fight. Like, you know, like, come from the gut. Like, fill your gut. Some of you have more air to put in there than others. And just say fight as if you want to see something change in your family. Say fight. All right. Well, I like it. That's good. Now what I want to do is take that energy. You don't have to get loud, but take the energy that came with it. And I want us to read 1 Peter 4, 8. It's going to go up on the screen. And I want us to read out loud together. It's a simple verse. Let's read this together. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. One verse today, one verse that helps us understand, written by Peter. He was the rock the church was built on, and he wrote to outsiders, Gentiles, people who didn't belong to God's promise in this letter. And what's key to understand is that he is welcoming them in to a forever family, an eternal family, the family of God. He's saying, hey, you were on the outside, but because of Jesus, you're on the inside. And he wrote in these beautiful imagery, he talks about this new covenant, this new contract that God has. He talks about a new temple where we can experience God in a new way. And he talks that they are a kingdom of priests now, something that was reserved for only a few people. And he begins to define the relationship of the Gentiles with all believers. He writes about how we are all one family. And so since you are in this forever family, this is what you must do. And what he's saying is he's asking the question and he's answering the question, what is the purpose of all relationships? What is the purpose of all relationships? Romantic, we're going to talk about romantic ones today. But, but what's the purpose of all relationships, great or small, romantic or platonic, with organizations and families between races, races and denominations, all of it? There is a purpose there's a purpose to all of these relationships. And so I'm going to talk about singles and marrieds and then our family together. And I want to talk about singles first. So if you're single in the room, I'm talking to you. You don't have to make a noise or anything. I know you're in the room. 
And you might be single because you're young and you haven't got married yet. You might be single because you were married and now you're not, or you just never got married. I, I don't know where you're at in this, but I want to talk to you first, and I want to say something very clearly to you. One, I want to apologize to you. Because the church has elevated marriage to the place of the most important thing in Christianity. The most important thing as a Christian is to be married, and that's simply not in the Word of God. And I want to apologize to you because we have made it a rite of passage towards relevance in the church. I want to apologize for devaluing singles and making them second-class citizens or deficient or scrutinizing their actions more. Because if they aren't married yet, then fill in the blank in your head. And for all of you singles and married, some of you filled that blank in, didn't you? I'll try it again. You just fill it in with what comes naturally. If someone isn't married yet, then, well, something's wrong with them. They've got too much baggage. They're too weird. They haven't found the right person yet. Or maybe they're just crazy. No, it's not that bad, but man, we have really elevated marriage and we've devalued singles. And Paul had something to say about singles in 1 Corinthians 7. He was single, let's put it in that perspective. And he said he wished that everyone was like him. And he's referring to his singleness. He wished that everyone was single. Why? Because he knew something was coming. And he says, man, if you're single, you can devote yourself to God in a way that if you're married, you've got to devote yourself to your spouse. Well, that doesn't get in the way when you're single. And there's something about this. Why? Because Paul understood and Peter understands that the purpose of all relationships is God's glory. Serving God, worshiping him, living for him. That doesn't mean, singles, you don't have a part of this family relationship. You do. We'll talk about that later. But if you are single, take a hard look at your life and see if the gift of celibacy and singleness is something that God is calling you to. Because if it is, it is a gift, and it is gift to this church. You are a gift to this church. Because the purpose of singleness is God's glory. Married. Married. Your relationship is described Jesus in the church. That's how our relationship between each other is described. We're described as people who love each other in a way that reflects the way that Jesus loves the church, it's his bride. It's beautiful. This marriage is about showing people what the love of God looks like between the two of you. And so the reason to get married is that together you are better able to serve God's glory than apart. The purpose of getting married is that together you can actually serve God's glory than you could if you were just apart. Not with someone else, but just like alone. Like together, do you guys in a way work together to glorify God more? Or is it more about you? Because the purpose of marriage is to glorify God. And Jenna and I got married for that reason. And there's some history to that. Were there feelings involved? Heck yeah, there were a lot of feelings involved. There's a lot of romantic feelings involved. I'm going to let you know. But we had been apart. We had broken up before, and we had thought it was for good. And the pain of that moment, the pain of that break meant that, man, something greater has to bind us together or make us willing to go through this again. Should this ever happen again? Because, you know, we weren't saying we are going to start dating and get married right away. But, like, it had to go towards that. that there had to be more. 
And so we did. And we decided, yeah, together I think we can. And, and that's what's been proved out. I believe it every day that, that Jenna allows me to do what I need to do. And that we are better together than I would ever be alone. But it's not because I'm, I, I just need someone to love me, but because we, we hone each other. And so we started our marriage on the purpose of marriage, to glorify God. But we have to choose every single day because just because it started out on this truth doesn't mean we don't have to keep after it. And just because you didn't start your marriage that way doesn't mean you can't choose today to live your marriage for God's glory. And just because your spouse doesn't believe in God, it doesn't mean that you can't live on your side of the relationship in a way that glorifies God. And I want to tell you how in just a moment. But the purpose of marriage is not your fulfillment but God's glory. Man, you need to hear that. The purpose of your marriage is not your fulfillment. It's to glorify God. In it, you find fulfillment, but that can't be the reason you do it, or you'll never find it. Now, our forever family, our relationships together, singles, married, our relationships together, they speak better than any fancy building or even this sermon. In fact, the only thing that will really last is our love for one another, our relationship with each other. The purpose of why we are together is God's glory. We are driven by this new life because it's about glorifying God. 1 Peter 4.8. Let's read it again together. Let's read it again. Ready? Here we go. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Above all, above all, what I'm not going to be able to cover is every situation in marriage and singleness, every nuance. Relationships are messy and circumstances vary. I'm going to address this at a 3,000-foot view. Above all, I won't be able to discuss every one of your situations, and I know that you're going to live with that dialogue in your head. The individual's trying to make it work, but it's close to failing, and they're just too tired, and they want to give up. The things that were done to you in your past that are keeping you from moving forward, that you are wounded and unable even to breathe, it seems like, much less have a friendship or a romantic relationship or continue them. I'm not going to be able to talk about any one of those things above all. My goal is to reveal this text in a way that the Holy Spirit works in you and gives you hope to keep fighting no matter where you're at. Above all, above all counselors, all therapists, self-help, articles, earthly wisdom, what must be above all of this. These are good things, but above that, above all that, there's something more. And so I'm going to ask you to take a step back from everything you have learned about romantic relationships, to take a step back from it. Look what God is saying, above all. Let's read this one again, 1 Peter 4.8. Are you ready? Here we go. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply because it covers over a multitude of sins. It allows us to be in relationship with each other. Above all, love deeply. There's so many songs about love. You know, we could all rattle off quite a few, but in reality, they're focused on a feeling most of the time of falling in or out of love or love continuing on, but it's, it's an emotion-based. It's this, you know, really doe-eyed-looking idea of it, or sometimes it's, it's about old love, but it, it's more emotion-based. It's more about how you feel. 
And when we talk about romantic relationships, when we use the word love, we're rarely talking about the love that's in this text. We're rarely talking about romantic love and the way that God would talk about it. And so above all, we have to take a step back and look at this a little different. Love deeply. Love deeply. This word is agape. Agape. You may have heard this word, agape. It's one of the words used for love, and sometimes we make too much about separating those words today. I want you just to look at this word, agape. Agape is this, the unconditional love in action that transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. It's unconditional love, not based on what's happening, on what's giving back. It's in action. It does. It transcends, goes above all, and persists, continues through all, regardless of circumstance. It's to desire the good of the other that you love to the extent that it changes the way you think and what motivates you to move. Love and affection based on a deep appreciation and high regard for the other, to think of them more highly than yourself. Agape. What, what do we learn about agape? Well, agape is a command. It's something that as Christians, when we have submitted our lives to Jesus, he says, you must do this. You must love. No matter what we feel, we are commanded to love, to live our life of service to other people, to someone else. John 13, 34, Jesus says something. You have heard it said, and he says that a lot, and he, he says this. This is powerful. A new command, command I give to you, love one another. And then he says how? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How much do we sing about the love of God for us that even I know I don't deserve? It never could add up to the grace that I don't deserve. I never could add up to it. But yet you love me. And if that's how you want to love me, then I guess I'm going to be loved like that. That's agape love. Agape love, unconditional love. In action that transcends and persists. Now, why can we command this? You can't command someone to be in love with someone else. That's not how it works, right? Anyone who tells you, feel that, that, that romantic, like, ooh, kind of love, you, you can't command someone to do that. But agape love, you can command. It's capable of being commanded because it's not primarily an emotion, but a decision of the will that leads to action. That's why you can fight with love, with this kind of love that elevates the other person. So agape is a command, but agape is a choice in action. It's a choice to want the good of the other, but it's an action to actually go about finding a way to make their life better. It means desiring their good, but finding ways to bring it about, single or married, I don't care. Friendships, romantic relationships, finding out how to bring good for the other person. It's powerful. It means dedication. It means thinking about how to make their life different, a life of service to the family of God. It's love that asks us to keep serving because it's about the object of our affections, not out of our affections. You see, love like this is about who we're loving, more so it is about how I feel about who I'm loving. This is completely different, isn't it? So it's so easy to fall out of love when it's about how you feel. But when it's a choice that you make, man, 
It's something that you can fight for. Jenna and I, our marriage vows caused a few of our friends to go, well, that was weird. Surprise, surprise, right? <laughs> I'm a weird guy. But one of my vows was every day I choose, choose to love you. They're like, well, shouldn't you just love them? I'm like, well, I do, but I'm going to need to choose to love them. I need to choose to put her first. When I'm so angry at her, I don't even want to look at her. I got to choose to love. I choose to love her when she is sick or hurting or tired or dealing with issues. I choose to love her when she's not being lovely. And she chooses to care about me no matter what clothes I wear. As long as I'm wearing them. In the middle of the night, I choose to put the seat down. Small thing, but this action is for her good, especially if she doesn't look before she sits, right? Just, right? That's just a good practice for anyone and in public, like put the seat down. I'm not saying your pastor said it, but I am kind of saying your pastor said it. Just put the seat down. We found a, by the way, small thing, uh, we found a compromise. So you know you have like the, the seat and then you have a, a, the lid, right? So we just put the lid down too because then each of us have to like pull something up to go to the bathroom. Sorry, that's, and it's probably just a good thing because toilets are nasty. Anyways, for you, it may mean something. Love may mean you stop looking at your friendships as ways to feel good about yourself. Because you fix their problems, or they really need you, or you feel superior because you're better, or you're better dressed, you have your life in order, and you have your friends around you really to make you feel good about who you are. See, friendship is not like a high school reunion where you figure out who is winning. That's not what friendship is. And so you're doing a lot of good, but are you really loving? It may mean that out of agape love, you choose to be fully present at home, engaged in conversation and looking for ways to encourage out of love, to instruct, not just physically being present. It may mean that out of agape love, you choose not to manipulate their actions by what you do. If you do this, then you'll let me buy this. Maybe... Agape love is to not use sex to manipulate him into what you want him to do. And for men not to do what they want just to get some. I'm being flippant here. But often our motivations can be rather jacked up. And easily can become about how your love makes me feel. And not about how my love glorifies God in you. How when you love, man, it does something. Agape is about fighting. And that's why there's power in this concept. That's why this is hope-filled. I don't want you to feel shamed. I want you to feel like I'm ready because this is how you fight. It relies only on your relationship with God, not on what happens. It doesn't matter if you have a, a spouse or a boyfriend who's making terrible decisions. It doesn't matter if any of those things. It doesn't even matter about any external circumstances. It's about your choice empowered by your relationship to God. It's powerful to choose. It's powerful to wake up every morning and choose my wife. There's power in that. It's power to choose to love. Jesus chose you so you can choose others. Here's the reality. When it's not about you, it transforms you. When it isn't about you, it transforms you. We're made to serve. We're not made to self-serve. 
When you love in action, it changes your heart. It reminds you that your life is about God's glory. External circumstances don't change your internal landscape as much as internal choices change your externals. It doesn't. When you stop looking for your relationships to fill a void, we turn to the only person who can to give you what you needed. Heart leading actions. That's what agape love is. We need to examine our hearts. As we finish, I want to get a bit more focused on singles, and then I'm going to give you a really practical way to figure out where you're at in this and how you can grow in love. But I want to focus on singles for just a second. And I want you to know you can survive your singleness by getting married, or you can survive your singleness just by making it work and, I don't know, buying a lot of dogs, buying a lot of cats, becoming a cat lady. You can survive your singleness, or we all can thrive in our forever family together. And what I want you to do, what I want us to do is to thrive together because singles have the same vital function in our body as marrieds. That is in our love for each other as we agape love each other, we glorify God in a way that doesn't make sense to the world. We create a family that's incredible. And when we do this, I'm not talking about babysitters, right? I'm not talking about singles being your babysitter. I'm talking about them participating in the life of your family. I mean unconditional love that elevates and transforms both of us. We need each other. We're a forever family. That includes singles into our daily lives, into our small groups, into our homes. It's good to have families that we belong to, Life Church, to do life together. And many singles in this church, you kind of adopted families to love on. Good for you. That's incredible that you're taking that step forward. More of our families need to adopt singles as essential parts of their families. Not like a puppy, but as someone who is incredibly able to boost, change, transform, and love, and to be loved. Together, we can become something more, something greater, the body of Christ. I'm going to read this one more time, and I want you to read it with me loud as we read 1 Peter 4.8. So read it loud with me one more time. Here we go. Above all, love each other deeply, Because love covers over a multitude of sins. We stuck with five words. We didn't even get to the back end of that. Because loving deeply is so huge. For some of you, you're going to need to uh, move forward. And this is how you can do it. And you're going to decide which one you're going to do. One, you may need to confess. You may need to go to a a boyfriend or a friend or fiance or a spouse and you need to tell them like, look, I've been doing some things for some selfish reasons and I need to confess some of the things I'm doing because I'm not loving you the way that God called me to love. And then maybe you need to do that up here in the front after the last song. We're going to have people who can pray for you. Maybe you need to confess or maybe you just need prayer because you're exhausted because you feel like you've been agape loving so hard and nothing's happening and you need someone to be family for you and to encourage you or you need help, get prayer. Maybe you need to get help by contacting a pastor and asking for some help in finding someone, a therapist, a counselor. Maybe you need to come to CR on Monday night and join a group of people, a family of people who are loving on each other and moving forward together. But you need to take action. If you want your relationships to say the same, do the same things you have always done. If you want to change, Married, single, engaged, whatever. If you want to change your circumstances, change. Because agape love is something that you can do. 
Because the same sad you from before doesn't have to be the same sad you now. Because in the process of loving, it changes everything. It's a command, a choice, an action. So here's the steps for you. Step one. Step one. Analyze why you do what you do. Analyze why you do what you do. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do? Some of you have been serving your, your spouse the same way for 10 years and you forgot why. Like you need to analyze and here's how you can do it. I'm going to give you some things. You might want to write these down. Um, you can take a picture of the screen, whatever you need to do. But the first things you need to sit, sit down with a piece of paper and put it into landscape mode so that you have enough, you know, length across it because there's going to be four columns. And in the first column, you're going to write down the things you immediately think of when you, what you do for your spouse or your boyfriend or your friends. And you're going to pick like one relationship. Don't try to do all this. Just pick like if it's your spouse, write down why you do what you do. I'm sorry, write down the things that you immediately think of that you do. I'm sorry. Write them down. Like I, I mow the lawn, I do this, I do that. I don't know what it is for you. Write those things down. Column two, right next to it, write down the motivations. Why are you doing it? This is going to take the longest amount of time. You need to be in prayer and think, okay, why am I really doing this? What do I expect is going to happen because I do this? Are they self-focused or are they focused on them? Is it about how I feel when I serve them, more about the good it does them? Is it about the fear of being alone? I don't want to be alone, so I'll do these things. Is it about getting something from them? Is it about manipulating them? I, you're the only one. Let the Holy Spirit tell you. Think about what it is. Okay, third column. The answer is, what should it be? What should the motivation be? This one shouldn't take very long, but it's important that you write it down because the motivation should be selfless love, selfless service, selfless love. It's important that you write it down and you can see what it is and what it should be. And then column form four is how you're going to reframe why you do what you do. So every time you do that ac action, the motivation should be this. I do this out of agape love, not so they don't leave. I do this out of selfless love, not to get her to be intimate with me. I do this out of love for God, and they're good. And then every time you do that action, you don't even have to change what you do, but change why you do what you do by coaching yourself and preaching to yourself. Above all, love each other deeply. And maybe you need to memorize that short verse 1 Peter 4, 8. Maybe all you need to know is those five words. Above all, above all, above all, love deeply. Love each other deeply. That's all you need to know. Agape love. That's step one. Step two. Some of you need to start doing some things out of love to make a choice for their good. Things that maybe they've been asking you for years to do. You need to do it not because you're trying to like, you're, like win some argument or show them that you're better, but just because it's for their good. For them out of love, whether it's your spouse or it's a friend or it's another family you want to love on. I don't care. You got you to do some things. And then step three, this is the hard one. Submit your expectations to God. This is the hard bit because when we take action, we like to see response. And what I'm calling you to is a life of service that you may never see the responses you want to see. But what you will see is your heart change. And what you'll see is what only God can do. And you're going to have to set your expectations aside. If we love deeply, we'll transform our forever family into something completely different. If we learn how to love each other above all, the world will see something different. We are in 
America right now where 50% of the homes, over 50%, have experienced divorce and over 40% of children grow up without a male figure in the home. What if this could be a place where every child could have a father? What if this is a place where every single person has a family to love and to celebrate birthdays with and to, to be one of? What if this was a place with marriages that don't just like old people who gave up trying, people who are deeply in love with each other? We didn't even talk about marriages that much because above all, we need to learn to agape, to love deeply in a way that transforms. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to invite you into this family. We're messy. We're really jacked up. But we love each other. And we try to see good for each other and do good for each other. Why? Because we're reflecting the glory of God who sent his son to die for us so that even though we were sinners and broken and messed up and ugly, didn't deserve any kind of grace God chose us and he loved us and so I want to invite you into that family and I want everybody in the room right now those who are part of the family and those who are going to become part of it to stand with me together stand with me in hope stand with me and believe that we can fight so stand up if you're able and if you want to believe in Jesus Christ if you want to follow him I invite you to pray this prayer with me close your eyes this is just talking to God He's the father of us all. And he's here in the room. He's with us. He's in us. And, and he wants to have a relationship with you. The way he's going to do that is by a sacrifice of Jesus for you. But Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. And he died a perfect sacrifice so that he could pay for us. Each one of us, he pays for our debt. He, he pronounces us clean if we follow him. And if we follow him, he also does something even greater. He brings us into his family, gives us his name and his inheritance. And all you have to do is give everything to him. All you have to do is submit everything to him. And it's the easiest and the hardest thing you'll ever do to let go, let God transform you, but then to agape love forward and love people because they are worthy of God's love. So if you want to do that, pray with me this prayer. Just talk to him in your own words, in your heart or out loud. Just pray to God this. Say, God, I'm, I'm broken. I need to turn away from my way. And I need to turn towards yours. I want to have a relationship with you again. But I know I can only have that if you make something right. If you make me right, and I believe that Jesus has made me right if I follow him. And so today I choose to follow, to be made clean, to be made whole, and to love like Jesus did. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, text I'm New to 734 349 3475 or fill out the form linked in the show notes below 
and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with someone and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.